and welcome back to Black, White, but mostly gray, because life is not always neat and tidy. We live our lives in a million shades of gray, where the lines between right and wrong are blurred by our different values and experiences. If we take the time to look beyond the labels, we understand that most things are complex and nuanced. Not every situation is good or bad. Not everything is right or wrong. There are many gray areas in life, and that's what we're here to explore. So open your minds and join us. Welcome all to episode five of Black, White, but Mostly Gray. Deno, I hope you've been training because we're ready to engage in battle of the sexes. Well, that should be interesting because as we we all know, men think while women feel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, are you talking about the male intellect? Isn't that an oxymoron? Yeah. Deno, do you know why men are like lawnmowers? Why? Because they're very hard to get started. They make yucky smells, and half the time they don't even work. (laughs) Oh, 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 really? Well, you know, behind every angry woman is a man who has absolutely no idea what he did wrong. You know, know, I met a woman at a party the other night, and I mentioned that she was wearing her wedding ring on the wrong finger. And you know what she said? Mm -hmm, No. Yeah, I know. I married the wrong man. (laughs) (laughs) That's a classic. (laughs) Hey, let's stop with the Coney dad jokes and get on with today's show, uh, where we're going to talk about the current male-female landscape. How are you men feeling post hashtag me too? Is it time to reconsider what masculinity is all about? Maybe, maybe. Uh, We'll also talk about some things that women do that bug men, believe it or not, and things that men do that apparently irritate women. But first, let's take a little journey into a leaky's world. Yes. This is where, Aliki, you get to share your insights on some of your recent social media posts. Are you ready to go? Let's do it, Dano. All right, here we go. Uh, First up is a quote that you posted recently from the first African-born prime minister of Ghana. You want to tell us about it? Yes. So this is one of the most famous quotes that uh, Dr. Kwame Kuruma is known for. He says, We face neither east nor west. We face forward. This is basically his stance on how Africa should conduct its foreign policy, that we should not align ourselves with the West, which is basically the Europeans and and the Americans, nor should we um, align ourselves with the East, the Chinese and so forth, that that we should face forward, which... uh, we Pan-Africanists and anyone who is serious about Africa and it's, you know, how he needs to basically stand on his own two feet agrees with that. We need to, to get what we can from either sides, but face forward. That is appealing to me right now. And I share that because there's a lot going on uh, in Africa in general, but specifically in West Africa, in the Sahel region, there are four countries 
that I've been openly rebelling against, against French, uh, French neocolonialism. And there's just a lot going on there right now with a lot of coups and threats by, you know, regional institutions um, of military intervention. Africans are basically rising up and there's been demonstrations all over West Africa. And even the, the coup d'etats, the, the leaders of these coup d'etats, usually they're reviled across Africa. But for some reason, all of a sudden, they're looked at as the, the heroes now, because I guess Africans are just sick and tired of the neocolonial uh, moves a lot of countries like France are making on the continent. Well, Aliki, as always, you gave us our uh, African history uh, lesson for, for the week, and uh, we appreciate it. You know, our next uh, post that we want to talk about is fairly timely since we talked about Ni Nigeria in our very first episode. Do you want to yes. talk well, about this that one? Yes, this is actually Niger. So there are a lot of countries in Africa that have so such similar names. So Niger is actually a neighboring country to Nigeria. Niger is a is a French colony, basically. If I say Niger, I'm wrong. It's Niger. So yeah. So in English, most people say you know Niger. Niger or Niger? Don't Niger. 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 Yeah. A lot of English. They might say that in Boston. Would they say that in the Midwest? We say er is er. So wouldn't we say Niger? Anyway, go ahead. I well, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know about the regional American accents, but yeah. So English speakers will say, you know, uh, Niger, and uh, French speakers. And since this is a, a French colony, and most people there and in the neighboring countries speak uh, French, they call it Niger. So Niger is basically at the heart of all the conflict, uh, the ongoing conflict in the Sahel region. So the Sahel is basically the border between the Sahara Desert and, and the immediate countries beyond the Sahara Desert. Well, you better uh, explain what it is because we haven't even said what it is. So it's a... That's, that's, a, that's a cartoon drawing of uh, the French president, Emmanuel Macron. Okay. Uh, basically summoning... Uh, this this guy who represents and he you know his uh the the badge on his arm says ECOWAS. ECOWAS is basically a trade block of the West African countries. The and West he's and he's telling that person to do what? This person represents ECOWAS and he's he's telling him to go get Niger back for for France because now Niger you know declaring their independence they do not want to export uh, their uranium so basically Niger recently said hey France you've been exploiting us for so long we barely get anything all you're doing is just sucking our resources and we do not want to export uranium to France no more uh, that's basically one of the main issues uh, so Niger is breaking free of France in that regard um, as well as what I, what I like Aliki is how you can take the thoughts of an entire country and express them in a sentence or two, because this is what all the people of Niger, Niger are thinking, correct? Well, that's the sentiment, the majority sentiment going on in that country and, our, in, in, and in the neighboring countries as well. All right. Well, more, more great African history, and we will be following this closely because... Um, we care about Africa. All right. Finally, you know, I've noticed a lot of nude images on your social media feed recently, including <laughs> this one below. It's a 
it's it's a woman in kind of a what would you call that? It's an it's it's a it looks like a yoga pose. Yes. And she says something. And what is she saying? This is actually me. That's that's that is my you? thing. No, that the woman is not me, but that's saying that what's written is me. I wrote that. You wrote that. And what did you yes. write? I said, don't waste your sexual energy on people who don't value you. Use it to activate your energy centers to propel yourself to higher levels of consciousness. Sexual energy not only creates, it also heals. That is awesome advice. Well, it is because oh, the sexualization of us humans is just too much. And sometimes we're dishing it out for no good reason, just Absolutely. wasting. Yes. Absolutely. I like, I, I like the thought, and there's better ways to use that energy because it can also heal. Exactly. Well, there you have it. A quick trip around the mind of a leaky. <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back with a battle of the sexes right after this short musical break. Mad props to Kalanji Kadima, a.k.a. Cognac, KP Platinum Sound Studios. Kona produced all the amazing original music for black, white, but mostly gray. Turn it up. Welcome back to Black, White, but Mostly Gray. You know, Aliki, the tagline for today's Battle of the Sexes show is feminism versus masculinism. And you probably all know what feminism is, but masculinism is defined as advocacy of the rights for the needs of men. And as we all know, men's rights have never been in as much peril as they are today. Oh, please, Dan. <laughs> Let's take a look at our definition of feminism. Uh, quite simply, feminism is about all genders having equal rights and opportunities. It's about respecting diverse women's experiences, identities, knowledge, and strengths, and striving to empower all women to realize their full rights. Notice how feminism is all about everyone and masculinism is all about men? Well, you know, you might have a point there. Um, <laughs> but I, I thought I thought you weren't a feminist. I really am not. I mean, I believe that uh, only men can be feminists. It's kind of redundant for a woman to call well, what themselves. Do you, what do you think about all genders having equal rights and opportunities? I think that, you know, it's it's a it's a good idea. You know, I mean, in terms of saying you know, that we're equal under feminism, that is just a fallacy. However, equal access to opportunities and letting women be themselves and do what's natural to them. Let me read something for you. And this was uh, a quote from Pat Robertson. Oh, God, do I want to hear this? <laughs> I think you're going to like this. Okay. The feminist agenda is not about equal rights for women. It's about a socialist, anti-family political movement that encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, destroy capitalism, and become lesbians. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, that sounds like something that will come from uh, a man like Pat Robinson. On the other hand, why do so many people think feminism is man-hating? It's like these stereotypes we put in place and then they eventually take root. You know that saying, you know, if you repeat a lie often enough, eventually people are going to start believing it. This whole idea of, you know, like feminists killing babies and all that, that sounds like the same line they have in some of these religious books of how they, they define witches. Because, you know, kidnap babies and kill them. It's, it's the same ridiculous mindset. And that's what's really ugly about this whole thing. It's just, it's a, it's a misconception of, you know, this beautiful thing that we know how for the longest, you know, girls and women have kind of struggled because, you know, the way society is constructed has just been like, okay, men, you know, do the work, they bring home the, you know, uh, the money and women cook, clean and have the babies. And, you know, so with that kind of societal setup and societal construct, you know, a lot of girls just grew up without thinking that they would have other opportunities. I think the idea of feminism opened that door, opened that door and said, you know what, you can be more than just, you know, a cook and a cleaner and, you know, a wife and a mother. Not that those things are bad things. Those are those are essential aspects of, of being a human being. And if you know any women in your life, you know, that's how we like to show our love anyways. Cooking, cleaning, you know, being wives and raising children. Those are things that come natural to us in a way. So uh, to, to say that, oh, now women hate that and instead they want to go out there and be like, men, that is just ridiculous. I don't want to be all masculine. You know, like being in, the, being in a man's world, you know, trying to compete with men out there, it just takes away from our femininity. It takes away from having fun and being, being our natural self because now you have to be all up in that masculine energy and try to compete and make more money. You know, it, it, I, I don't know what kind of woman really loved that now. So, Aliki, would you at least admit that men have been getting a bad rap in, in the media and in Hollywood lately? Take, for example, the movie Barbie Land. Have you seen it yet? I haven't seen Barbie Land yet, but I don't think I need to. I need to watch it to see or to know what uh, opponents are talking about here that Ken has been portrayed horribly in this movie. From what Every I- Every night is boys' night. Uh, Barbies exist to be oogled. Under Ken's rule, the president of Barbie Land serves drinks to macho guys. The author of this movie, Greta Gerwin, she's a feminist who's done several other excellent movies, but she's uh, kind of gone out of her way here to portray men as uh, being intoxicated by male dominance and- you know, women are here to rescue us from that. <laughs> well, I think that that's the extreme aspect of patriarchy or masculinism. You know, I mean, I don't think everything about patriarchy is horrible, but like any good idea, you know, if, for instance, even the Me Too movement, you know, you have, you reach a point when, you know, you're going too far to the to the right, you know. And, and there are aspects of patriarchy that are like that. I mean, any person who has been on a college campus and, you know, has hung around, you know, frat boys and, you know, you see some of these things. And, you know, and, and, and the girls are willing to play the, the Barbie role. You know, you, you got your 
your cheerleaders, your pom-pom squad, you know, type of girls, you know, and they want to play that role. You know, we all, we all buy into it. So there's that aspect. But I think from what I understand, what this Greta Garvin was doing with the movie was basically give men the opportunity to see themselves in that role. It's it's actually probably more for men. See, that's why I say it's redundant for a woman to call themselves uh, herself uh, a feminist. It's it's if there needs to be any kind of corrections, they have to come from men because women already know what's good for them, what needs to be done. It's the men that we're trying to reach out to. So it's really men who need to to be feminists. My dad, I would call him a feminist, but I'm not a feminist. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. So, they, well, but there, there have been, you know, a lot of stereotypes. You know, I, I must agree. That, you know, men are also kind of, you know, getting it. For instance, like the Me Too movement. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Most of the reaction initially to Me Too was celebratory. It was uh, assumed that women were really going to benefit. And I think in some ways they have. But there was a researcher, Leanne Atwater, uh, at the University of Houston, she thought, you know, that there could be some fallout. So the University of Houston researchers created two surveys, one for men and one for women, and then distributed them to workers in a wide range of industries to see, okay, what impact uh, has Me Too had on the workplace? And there's, you know, there's some pretty interesting findings. More than 10% of men and women said they thought they'd be less willing than previously to hire an attractive woman. Nearly one in three men thought they'd be reluctant to have a one-on-one meeting with a woman. And it goes on and on. I mean, it's like 74% of women thought they'd be more willing now to speak out against harassment. 77% of men anticipate being more careful about potentially inappropriate behavior. So I think maybe it's raised consciousness, but it may have also made things more difficult for, for women in the workplace. Well, I mean, I would have loved to see maybe a pre Me Too poll because I would I would bet that these numbers wouldn't be that much different. I think what Me Too basically did was just amplify women's voices. Some of these behaviors, you know, a lot of attractive women, you know, they do get kind of sidestepped a lot for for positions because of things like that. Now, a a, a smart man, you know, who is married and knows that he might have a weakness for not, you know, for attractive women might actually just make that decision. And it's actually, you would, it in in one way that would actually be the best decision for him and his family. However, it is discriminatory towards, you know, it's an unfair towards that attractive woman. But those are things that those are decisions men have been making since before the Me Too movement. And and in terms of women speaking up. I think maybe that would make the most sense. And seventy-four percent of women, you know, saying that they would be more likely to speak up. Uh, it did give women, I believe, kind of impetus. They feel like you know they could speak up and actually be taken seriously, because it, that's the problem we face in the workplace when we, you know, we we try to bring harassment uh, cases to HR or you know on on campus and on college campuses. No one believes us. Uh, but there are there were some things you know that I thought you know just kind of set the whole thing back. I loved the Me Too momentum in the beginning, but then you know when the whole thing with like Johnny Depp and his ex wife came about, you know that trial, and it, it kind of exposed you know the ex wife 
you know, like what, you know, she was really doing, that was just very disconcerting to me. And I was like, this is why, you know, good things can't happen to us as women, because you always have some people who are trying to exploit this, you know, the, the these movements uh, for their own gains. That happens in every movement. And there are people that are going to take advantage of it. But do you think it's time to rethink modern masculinity? Is it? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's time because clearly, you know, when we look at these statistics about boys and, you know, the, their performance, whether it's, you know, in education or, you know, in the workplace, it, the numbers keep, you know, going down and, you know, and girls, the, our numbers are going up. So clearly something is not working. And I don't know if it's the role of masculinity, but that, you know, that's going to be a big aspect of it. There are a lot of things that are very kind of unfair to men in general. Like, I couldn't believe that's coming out of my mouth, but I do think, you know, it's true. Like, I, I, I look at, I have, you know, a couple nephews now, and I think about the future and the world they're coming, you know, they're growing in. Um, the expectations the world has of them. Uh, and, you know, just like, even like, I, w- I remember having this conversation with my father when he got remarried the second time. And I was like, wow, it's really crazy how, you know, a, a man can go to some obscure part of the world, you know, get a woman that he doesn't even really know and decide to invest in this person. Well, no, <laughs> no offense to Adiga, but not everybody gets married that way. No, but like, but that's how, but if you think about marriage in general, though, it is that way, right? A man is expected basically, you know, to to work and provide and, you know, to live for his family, for his wife and his kids, you know? So, and, and, you know, a woman's role is similar, but since things have changed for us as women, we also need to kind of reimagine uh, things for, for men. I read an editorial in the Guardian and talked about men needing to reset their relationship with masculinity. And it says power, privilege, and prestige, the perks of traditional manhood, have distracted men from embracing vulnerability and inclusivity as strengths. There's some of that's true. And there are, you know, I I think inclusivity, some level of vulnerability. You know, I read another article that said that maybe we should look to uh, the popular series Ted Lasso for our our modern day definition of masculinity. Have you ever watched that show? I've never. It's you know, it's a decent show. I you know, I kind of lost favor with it after a season and a half, but it's this very hyper masculine environment of professional sports and yet everyone uh all of his players for this coach Ted Lasso, uh they succeed by learning to trust each other with their weaknesses which because, you know, because it was written by Hollywood. Mm. So um, (laughs) it is a strong and and valuable lesson to trust others with your weaknesses and open your heart to to be corrected because, um, heck, none of us are perfect, right? Right. And I see where that's coming from because, you know, a lot of boys are taught early that, you know, boys don't cry, right? You know, and you're not supposed to be emotional and all that. So we have generations of men who are just walking around with feelings that they can't even express. The smallest things can set you off when you're so emotionally like pregnant. It should be safe for men to express themselves and be emotional about things without feeling ashamed and being embarrassed. Like, well, let, I, let's talk about 
as we close the show, we just a few of the things that women do that that annoy men. And maybe maybe there's one or two things that men do that annoy women. Number one, one of the top things on my list that women do that annoys men is it it is the drama. You know, yeah. When women have to turn every situation into a major problem, make a mountain out of a molehill, everything becomes a big deal and it becomes tiresome. And I, I think uh I think there's actually women that there is no drama in their life. They will create it just because that's, you know, that's the, that's the mode they like to be in. Well, there's a whole industry behind that, you know, like, what is it? What are, what are they called? The housewives? Oh, yeah. That, the housewives that, of St. Louis. The housewives of Atlanta. Of yeah. You know, I'm, I, I agree with you on that. Like, we are hope. Yeah. You're not we supposed are to agree. This is supposed to be a battle, but that's <laughs> Well, like we like our show says, you know, it's not all black and white. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm liable to like, I'm, you know, I'm gonna agree with you on certain things. But yeah, we tend to be drama queens. Not all women, though. I think that there are a lot of women who actually don't like drama, but we get dragged into it. Like for me, I will never start drama. But if you bring that drama to me, you better be ready to take some. You know what I mean? Because I'm not gonna sit back and watch you just be a freaking drama queen. In the interest of equal time, let me let me talk about one thing that apparently men do that that women don't like. And this this came from an article in uh, Psychology Today. I once had a friend mansplain to my roommate how to correctly pronounce her own name because he thought she was doing it wrong. Now, <laughs> what do you think about mansplain? This is a fairly new word, but it's been going on forever mansplaining the first time i heard that word i laughed out loud but i mean this is a clear example of what i mean it's just succinctly put like why would you try to tell me how to pronounce my name correctly when it's mine but well, i got a great example just from yesterday i was uh i was talking with my sister and she went to an event and the guy noticed that she was driving up in a honda pilot and he had one just like it Mm-hmm. that he had fixed and spent the next 45 minutes telling her in detail how he fixed it. She had no interest and couldn't <laughs> the guy, but is, he wanted to tell her. So is that, is that mansplaining or is that, you know, a man who is very proud of his expertise and he's trying to impress a woman with it? Yeah, I, that might be it. That might that be. Could be, could be, but you never know. Yeah, man, mansplaining, these words, man, they just keep popping up everywhere. But that's a funny word. Mansplaining is definitely a big problem. Well, let me pick one other one out uh, from the many, many um, things that women do to make us mad. What, um, what, about, what about the jealousy and obsessiveness? Honestly, I'm an old white guy. I've been married forever. So those things really don't enter into my relationship. But according to uh, this author... On family share, it's the number number one uh, thing that uh, is intolerable, and that is jealousy and obsessive behavior. Have you run into that? Well, yeah. I mean, that that only happens when the woman feels insecure in her relationship, and in this hyper masculine world that we live in, you know, I mean, there are a lot of men out there who think that you know you can be in a relationship with them, but you know they should be free to do as they please with other women, uh, and and that's that's the reason most of us you know, get very jealous and, you know, obsessive about, about the stuff. Cause it's the unfairness. It, it's, it's not fair. So I want to take us to our final 
uh, battleground. That's a classic one. Um, and that's the toilet seat. Um, <laughs> men and women simply don't see eye to eye on this. Apparently, you women want us to put the put the, the toilet seat down because you guys can't do it for yourself. So <laughs> what, what, what's the issue from the female perspective on the, you know, the thing is, if you put it up, then every time you go in there, you know, you can take a quick, uh, you know, relieve yourself and not have to go through all the hassle of putting it up, putting it down. It's just being considerate, Daniel. It's being considerate because... Would you rather have it up or down with little things on it? Because no, no, no. You that's that's the whole that's the whole point of lifting it up is so you don't have any like you know residual whatever on you know on the seat. But then you be you have to be considerate and put it down because you know the women in your house are going to come and sit on that toilet seat. You know, and most of the times women don't even like, we're not thinking like, oh, you know, the seat is up or whatever, because we never put it up. So some of us end up like falling into the toilet bowl, you know, those kinds of things. That's why we we get so annoyed. Men can't understand that how a woman could fall in a hole. Don't you, don't you look before you sit down? <laughs> then think about it. You know, you're like, you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like half asleep. Most of the times you don't even want to turn the light on. So you're just going and you just, you know, you know where the toilet is. You're just going to go in and sit and take care of business. But if you have a man who is not considerate and he got up and left the seat up, you're going to fall into that. And some of them don't even flash the toilet. So you're going to oh. fall onto a pee. You know, it is just terrible. Well, Aliki. I think that's going to wrap things up. I, I just want everybody to keep that mental image in their mind of what, what Aliki just described for us. Um, Aliki, always a pleasure exploring the many shades of gray with you. You as well, Daniel. And for all of our listeners, please keep an open mind, a kind heart, and join us next time for Black, White, but Mostly Gray. Namaste, my friends. 